This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast, which is, of course, presented by Top Step Trader. I am your host, Jack Pelzer, joined, as usual, by Dan Hodgman. Dan, how are you doing? Jack, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Besides, uh, I don't have a table in this room, so I'm holding the mic stand like Freddie Mercury. Uh, it live aid, you know, with the <laughs> with the pole out in front of me. But uh, yeah, we expect some uh, big high notes for you to hit in this one. Yeah, there's not good call response. I can't do like the scatting and have the crowd respond. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to make do with the wonderful interview we have today with Rich Friesen, who uh, has a psychology degree, an advanced degree, not a BA, a real degree, Dan, as we call yeah. it in the biz. And the biz. <laughs> uh, it was just a fascinating interview. Um, I love talking psychology, especially with people that actually know about it instead of my friends and family who pretend to know about it. Right. And I think right now it's just such a perfect timing to be able to sit down with Rich. He had so much insight for us. And I think we hit him with some really interesting questions that um, are running through our minds. I think running through a lot of people's minds right now, we're all home. We're all going through, you know, whether you work from home full time before this or not, you know, lives have changed, things have adjusted. Um, and so getting his insight and things to utilize to help get through this is so vital. Trading is always about your mindset and, and uh, psychology, but if possible, it's just more so now. I mean, it's just pure, how are you thinking? How are you adapting? How are you thinking about the process you go through to make choices, recognizing the thoughts that are coming into your mind that are not benefiting you as you go about the day is just huge because as usual, we're recording this on Wednesday, March 9th, April, 8th? April, 8th. April. I'm stuck in March. I've been <laughs> in my house for, you know, I got back from the Bahamas. I've been here for a month with my pug and my microphone throwing down podcasts. Right. It's Yeah. And that's, I think that's, it's funny that you bring it up, you know, we laugh, but it's also, everyone's kind of going through those same things. It's, there's so much happening and it's hard for us to kind of keep track of where we're at and what's going on. Um, you know, I find myself messing up the days constantly and I, I know we, we chuckle and joke about it, but in the, you know, in the reality of things, those are some of the things that are, people are going through right now. And, um, you know, utilizing some of the stuff Rich talks about to help overcome this, um, you know, he makes a comment and he talks about finding the biggest hurdle you've overcome and what did you do to get through that? Those are the things that have really resonated, resonated with me since we sat down with him thinking back on, okay, you know, I made it through 13 weeks of Marine Corps boot camp that, you know, you have no contact to the outside world. You don't know what's happening. And every day is a struggle and a question. And it's like, well, if I can make it through that pure hell. I can do this just fine. I think identifying and paying attention and improving your processes processes is one of the hardest and most beneficial things you could do just in life in general. So I'm really excited to uh, re-listen to this. 
the reason I was asking for the date before I said the wrong month is so people know where we're at right now. The uh, market, the stocks at least, have bounced back, I don't know, at this point, pretty much about halfway. What do you, roughly between the highs and the lows, we're about halfway. So I think we're at sort of the major, where do we go from here right now? I think uh, we're going to pick one at some point, but... I- Absolutely. We are in a pivotal spot. And I think um, I think people are starting to recognize that, you know, this isn't just a, an economic collapse at this point. We are in a, uh, you know, a global pandemic. Um, but as soon as we, you know, the curve flattens and we start to um, make our way down the curve and work our way back towards neutral, I think, uh, you know, people are going to get more excited and we'll have even a stronger bounce back than we've had. And the economic numbers will eventually matter. But right now, you're right. It's a public health crisis. And I really, you know, hope the best for everyone out there who's being affected by this. And those are really the only numbers that I think we're looking at right now, because I'm not sure whether we get to 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever the unemployment number is, that are all shockingly big, 3 million claims and 6 million claims. If it were 6 million, 10 million, would everything change that much? I don't think so right now because we're so focused on this disease. Right. And I think um, we had that interview with Tim Reset last week that came out and he made an awesome point that I didn't think about. And uh, now it's constantly keeps popping up in my head every time we talk about this economic situation. He says, he said, you know, over the next month or so, a lot of these numbers that we're going to see are just going to be baselines for us to look back at as the numbers continue to come out, you know, in months from now. And uh, I think that's a great point. We're just now going to create a new baseline to look back at and then compare to. Well, let's hope that uh, it's not the baseline for too long. Uh, Exactly. If uh, any doctors are out there, stop listening and uh, go back to finding that vaccine, please. (laughs) Counting on you. So if you're not actively making vaccines right now, why don't you find your comfiest chair or take a walk and enjoy our Limit Up interview today with Rich Friesen. Well, we're here today on the uh, virtual hotline, joined from the Bay Area by Rich Friesen, who is the CEO and founder of Mind Muscle, And uh, he has a degree in psychology. He is all about trading psychology, which is something that our users have really uh, said something they struggle with and would like to learn more. Uh, Rich, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, especially uh, with the changes that are going on where I'm seeing in my clients just a huge amount of emotional washes back and forth and uh, our ability to uh, look at things the way they are, to feel confident in ourselves and to have our own Uh, stability is really a gift that uh, we can all move towards, which will do us well. Yeah, just as a point of reference for the uh, history books, today is the last day of March, the 31st, 2020. So you can put that as a marker on your timeline in this crisis we're going through. Um, So just to kick it off, what are some of your thoughts on all of this? Well, it's interesting because This pandemic is triggering what I think was already due was a major paradigm shift. I think that the economy was building for it anyway, and this is going to change 
a lot of things. It's going to change everything and the processes and uh, how we look at the world and our beliefs. So as a result, it's a real, uh, on one hand, a very fearful thing and a very emotional thing and can be very upsetting. And on the other hand, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And the opportunities are for those who see the paradigm shifts, who are able to be aware of their own emotional uh, reactions and be able to view them from a higher level self, from a, a self that is more stable, more future oriented, and to be able to have the confidence in themselves that they can both experience their emotions and step back at times and make uh, decisions that really benefit them from the long term. So on one hand, a lot of emotion, a tremendous amount of change, and also opportunity for those who are able to look at the world fresh and look at the new paradigms evolving. Yeah, you see a lot of people out there are trying to draw app comparisons from the past. Uh, at least in the financial markets, you see people going to the Great Recession, to the Great Depression, to the oil in the 70s. But there really isn't anything like this. And there is no one perfect comparison to what we're going through. And I think psychologically, people are struggling on a lot of fronts. You have your normal things that happen during extreme market volatility and a declining stock market. But on the other hand, you have this more, I won't go gloom and doom and say existential fear, but there is a real health crisis out there that no one alive has really experienced. Well, that's a really good point, because when we move to things that nobody else has experienced, when it isn't in our frame of reference, then we drop down to either our survival mechanisms or we drop down to some core strength that we have inside. And I'm experiencing a lot of my clients and some quite a few people, in fact, more than I would expect, dropping down to their core strengths. Um, and also, uh, there are a number of people that I know that are dropping down to their survival mechanisms. So, you know, where you go down, and sometimes we wash back and forth, but what I make is a constant invitation to uh, drop down to our core strengths. So, for example, with a client uh, yesterday, I asked, what in your history, what in the time past where everyone else was confused and worried and emotional, did you find some strength? And they says, well, it was back in college when, and then they gave an example. And I said, okay, let's tap into that. And then we imagine going back there and seeing what that's like, what thoughts we had, what physiology we had, what emotions we had and to tap into that and then bring that into the current situations. So for everybody, it's different. But my constant invitation is, what can we do to drop down to that powerful part of ourselves that can handle the rapid changes and the paradigm shifts that we're likely to see? Rich, you make a, a kind of a point here just about what you're seeing changes within the clients. Do you think most of this is caused from the markets and the volatility that we're seeing? Or does this come from the total life changes that people are going through? I myself am trying to balance and understand the whole work from home concept. For me, that's a new thing. I've never been involved really in working from home. So where are you seeing the big adjustment for people? 
That's a really interesting question, and I hadn't thought about it until just this moment. But the surprising answer is less about trading and the volatility and more about how this impacts my life and those that I love around me. And I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm trying to think of a client now or in one of our groups where they said, hey, how do I handle this volatility or my strategy no longer works? I don't think I've gotten any of that. It's all (laughs) around how this impacts our bigger life because I think this puts things in real perspective. And like, for example, some of my clients have been just so focused on trading, on their strategies, on how they can improve them. And uh, now we're stepping back and there's some real advantages to this. I find in my own life, I'm asking, huh, does that really serve me? Have I been just reading, for example, these blogs out of habit, uh, this particular behavior in my life, you know, when I'm watching news or whatever it is, does this really serve me well? And I think that we're going to see the ability with this shift to look at our lives from a fresh place. And also there's a lot of arenas in the economy that were just going on out of habit that, uh, you know, there's, uh, you look at some of the retail stores like Macy's that are just, or Penny's or Sears or those kind of big department stores, for example, although it already collapsed, you know, you look at WeWork, um, there's just a lot of arenas that as we shift technologies, as we shift communications, that are almost just existing out of habit. And as people shift their beliefs and behaviors, this pandemic is going to create a shift in uh, behaviors that make a shift in the economy. So I I really think that uh, the trading is being overwhelmed by the, the major shifts in people's lives. But that said, I think there's a tremendous opportunity now. If I look back at my own trading firm and my two and a half decades on the floors of the Pacific Exchange, the Merck Exchange, the Board of Trade at that time, that the most money that I made was when we were having uh, major shifts or extreme events. I'm not sure that we've had a paradigm shift quite as powerful as this one, but I expect for people who are alert and creative, there's going to be a lot of opportunities, not only in trading, but in the rest of their lives. And by the way, I I asked you the question before we started, you know, I think that uh, Top Step is well positioned. Now that people are making a shift, they have more time, they're looking at maybe more self-sufficient businesses, they're looking at less dependency, Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, there's still wonderful communication systems that we have that there may be some tremendous opportunities for people to to make some shifts in their lives. And Top Step is such a wonderful way to test, to look at, and to uh, probe with very low risk uh, how we can create new opportunities for ourselves, especially in these markets where they're so emotionally driven. Yeah, that's something we certainly hope to be the case. Um, out of the chaos of things is always where the new ideas come from and the new trends start. And I think we're just getting now beyond sort of the introduction almost, even though it seems obviously this has been all consuming. We're still in sort of the introductory phase. And once people are home for, you know, I think we're going to be out of the office right now for at least two months, but I bet you it's going to go significantly longer than that. And 
I think initially a lot of people thought this will go, this will pass, and it, it won't necessarily change behaviors. But after a month of doing this, after a month of not going places, getting used to doing things a new way, I think you start to build habits where I wonder how many people go back to certain things. Boy, that is such a good observation that once we make a change in behavior, it's really hard to do because we're just creatures of habit. We just keep moving along. But once we've made this shift, then we're going to say, do I really want to commute an hour to work every day? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Dan's in Wisconsin right now. He is the long commute. Yeah. If I commute from here, it's, you know, four and a half hour round trip. And that's one thing I was thinking, you know, even on that concept is once we make that change, how long does it take just for a person to accept a new habit? I've heard all different factors around it. I've heard people say, if you do something consistent for 20 days, you create a habit. So what creates a habit in a person? Yeah, well, I'd look at it with a neurological model. The neuroscientists some time ago had discovered that neurons that wire together, fire together. In other words, if you do A and B at the exact same time, those then become a complex and those complexes join other complex. And then that becomes a whole behavior. So for example, the easy example is driving a car. When I first started driving a car, you know, well, you know, I had to shift on the column. Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> three on the tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three on the tree, man. <laughs> but, you know, it was jerky and, and I had to concentrate and I was staring at the wheel. And if you could see my face, it's, you know, really intense. <laughs> I can confirm his face is really intense. <laughs> and now I can drive on a freeway and have a conversation about psychology with my passenger. And all that is habitualized because neurons that wire together, fire fire together, wire together. And it creates that. So it depends on the behavior. There are some things where you're just ready to change, that the old habit just isn't more using and it's not productive and it's not serving you well. And you get to that point and say, oh, ready to change, kaboom. And then you create the new behaviors. Other ones... It takes a lot of intention. In other words, since I'm creating new neural connections and that requires some energy and focus, that those behaviors take a while. And the more you do them, the more you repeat them, the more they get triggered easily and the more they take over and the old habits die. However, we need to remember that those old neural connections, they get kind of thinking about them as getting rusty, but they're still there. And occasionally something will trigger, you go boom, and you go back to the old one. So it's really a complex question. I'm glad you asked. But uh, certainly sometimes we're ready to change. Sometimes it takes some intention. And sometimes we still go back to the old behaviors. So what I'm curious about is if you look at your traders in this situation, what are their concerns? Have you been talking to them? What are the issues that are important to them? Uh, We can talk about these uh, things theoretically, but what I'm interested in is really how can we relate to the people in your audience and what can we do to support them? I think a big issue for our traders right now is on one hand, there is such opportunity. You see these huge moves, these hundreds and hundreds of point moves every day in the S&P for the last couple of weeks, for instance. And I think it creates, on one hand, they know they should be trading very defensively, almost sizing down, 
staying out of it in some cases. There's low liquidity. Nobody really knows what's going on. And a lot of the indicators you might use as part of your strategy may not apply during this. But on the other hand, even if you're responsible and you sit on the sideline, I think there's a lot of FOMO that goes on because this is supposed to be the environment that everyone has waited for uh, forever. And there's a lot of glamorization in trading. If you look at the, uh, you know, the big short or something like that, everyone kind of glamorizes that trader that knew something everyone else didn't and took advantage of it to a massive level. And I think it leads to suboptimal decisions when they are trading. Right. Well, certainly, you know, there were some people who saw this coming when in the first whiff of the pandemic. And in my experience, there's there's is that very narrow window between when you sniff something out. I can remember on the floor a number of times uh, when I sniffed something out and said, oh, I'm going to buy in my out of the money puts or, ooh, I'm going to get long premium or, ooh, the premium is starting to collapse. I'm going to do it. And I'd say four times out of five, that early sniff was incorrect and it would cost me some money. But those times where that sniff was correct, then as you see it unfolding and you already have the vision for it, then you can follow up. There's an apocryphal story in a movie called What the Bleep. It was a transformational thing. I, you guys are probably too young to remember it. But in it, they had the story about the uh, Native Americans who were unable to see the Spanish galleons as they came into the, to the bay because they didn't – I mean, there was no concept of a ship like that. So as a result, there was no place for it to land in their mind, and so they literally couldn't see it. Well, I've had that experience when my wife puts something in a cupboard and she tells me, asks me to get it. And I literally, <laughs> I mean, it, it was a different size or slightly different color or some, or it was at an angle <laughs> and it didn't fit, you know, the concept that I had there. And I literally couldn't see it. So I've got a program I'm working called Extreme Events. And the extreme events are there to help us see at that early stage those things that we normally don't. Because, I mean, if you were to consider the extent and the impact of this pandemic very early on and you were wrong, you would look so foolish. And like, for example, if I were to tell my wife, we're going short, we're going to do this, we're going to buy puts, you know, and I saw it and she didn't, you know, you know, what is she going to say about our retirement account? Or if you're a money manager, and you see something early and you know you're going to be wrong, you know, 60, 70% of the time, you're going to have to eat a lot of crow and there's going to be a lot of social pressure on you. So the question is, how do we train our brains to be able to see these things early on? And what I uh, have is a, an extreme event exercise. And the extreme event exercise is to create a whole bunch of scenarios in your mind. Not that any of them might happen, but by creating scenarios in your mind, you develop the ability of your brain to hold multiple scenarios. In other words, as long as we are focused on what we know and what we believe, well, then everything outside of that, just like something in the cupboard that is not quite the right color I expect, I'm literally not going to see it. So 
question is, can we train our brain to see things ahead of time? And then once we see them, what are the tells? You guys are familiar with poker tells. You know, there's just slight nuances. And can we then adjust our behaviors as those tells grow? And then when all of a sudden they became known to everybody, we are well prepared, not only because we've shifted positions, but because we're now prepared to really move forward and make some uh, clear decisions. So uh, the, I'm creating a game called Extreme Events, and this is a game where we play it to get our mind used to uh, looking at extreme events. And the other thing is looking at paradigm shifts, and I think, obviously, this is a major paradigm shift. So how, do we, how are we creative in paradigm shifts? And these are all mental games, and these are mental games that we can either lock down and be fearful, or we can be creative. And uh, a big part of that is the confidence level we have ourselves at the deepest levels, and developing that is really valuable. So on that concept of training our brains, most traders out there right now have developed systems and strategies around the concept of risk management. We're taking a lot more risk these days. And if someone's trading a one lot typically, and let's just throw out random numbers here, but they're averaging between two and $400 of risk in every trade, that's going to be difficult if you're going to maintain your simple strategy when looking at these current environments. And so that's something I've run into is a lot of traders having a hard time wrapping their head around the added risk within these environments. Uh, how, how do you approach that with someone? Yeah, what you're bringing up is that we all have behaviors that we repeat because they're comfortable. You know, if, if I look at even at normal times, we look at behaviors that traders repeat, and you'll be familiar with this list. You know, we take our profits too soon. Uh, we double down on our risk. Uh, we're, we see a trade. It is our setup. It is our strategy. And then our mind says, oh, but wait a minute. What about this? What about that? And we hesitate. Then we have the fear of missing out. And we, uh, we repeat uh, these patterns. And as a result, uh, even though we have a profitable trading strategy that we are unable to execute it because we have certain patterns and fears in our brain. Now, we come to a whole new arena, a whole new paradigm, a whole new what we call a market mood. And if as long as we're holding on to our old processes because they're comfortable, we're going to get hurt. Uh, one of the examples I, I give people is, in terms of your strategy, what if I were to tell you that the S&P is going to trend for the next month with very few pullbacks? And I guaranteed it absolutely positively, and let's say you knew it for absolutely sure. What would your strategy look like? Buy all the pullbacks. Buy all the pullbacks, right. You look and see what's going, and you just keep leveraging, and you buy all the pullbacks. So uh, buy all the pullbacks. That's five-word friggin' strategy, right? <laughs> right. And it's going to be successful. So if you know what the market mood is, your strategy can be conveyed in five words. It doesn't have with RSE, momentum, and all the indicators and whatever. Um, on the other hand, if I were to say to you, the market is going to trade in a range for the next month, could you make money on that? Yeah. Yes, I could. How would you do that? Fade those extremes. 
fade the extremes. Three-word strategy, and you would be profitable. So the real question is not whether the strategy is, but what is the market mood? If I were to give you uh, $10 million and ask you to create a trading strategy for all markets at all times, at all time frames, do you think you could do that and be profitable? It would depend on when. (laughs) (laughs) When? (laughs) I'd like to think I could be. If you asked me a few months ago, I'd say, sure. Sure, right. (laughs) Right? Didn't see Uh, this one coming. Yeah, we didn't see this one coming. So as a result, a strategy that is really inclusive, even if you had $10 million to develop it, eventually is going to fail. In fact, what I tell my clients is that all strategies fail. They have to. If they didn't, everybody would figure them out and we'd all be friggin' rich. And that's not going to happen. So the real question is, what is the market mood? And and what you talked about, uh, the different risk parameters are so important and sizing is so important that we have to look at this from from fresh eyes and say, okay, what's going on here? What are the new opportunities? Now, what's going to happen is with this volatility, there's going to be lots of opportunities, and but people are going to catch on. And as they catch on, then there's going to be more competition for the opportunities. Value is going to be better understood. Uh, emotional swings are going to be less. And we're then going to shift to another uh, market mood. And at that time, then, this market mood may not fit all the old strategies. There may be a shift of players. Some people are going to be wiped out. New players are going to come in. There's going to be uh, new uh, patterns that emerge out of this. And if you can say, okay, I'm going to look through this with fresh eyes. I'm going to see it as it is. Then all of a sudden, I think you're going to have new patterns that emerge. You're going to see them and be able to take advantage of them. Because as you know, uh, what's interesting is that normal, if we look at the volatility, is that we get emotionally exhausted and the traders get exhausted and the investors get exhausted and the swings start to, to drop and the uh, implied volatility in the options and the op- and the volatility in the underlying starts to drop. But we've got a lot more algorithmic trading that doesn't get tired. So again, uh, the old rules about, you know, I, I used to short the, uh, the uh, option uh, volatility uh, because I knew that it would get exhausted at some point. But we have new rules now. What are they? So for the, for if you are curious and if you are on an adventure and if you let go of everything and you want to say, this is awesome. I'm really curious about, ooh, what's this pattern? That's interesting. Well, I've never seen this before. This is fascinating. That attitude is going to be just a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think I think that's what I've been seeing a lot of is the interest coming into the marketplace lately. It's created, um, I think, a lot of new traders. I think it's created a lot more people intrigued in exactly what's going on in the world. And I mean, and for me, it's created opportunity in the sense of I am looking at this as an opportunity to create a long-term wealth strategy because now we're able to get in at different price points. You know, seeing where Boeing is at, I've never seen those prices. You know, a lot of investors haven't. And so I think coming at it from that perspective of trying to find the fun and the new way to approach these markets um, is is imperative. 
You know, Bank of America during the financial crisis. Uh, well, I don't remember the numbers. What did it trade at? <laughs> right? I couldn't even tell you. Well, I have an epic story I've told in this podcast before that my first experience with trading, I was still in college during the financial crisis. I had a uh, $5,000 portfolio and uh, managed to lose it all on Bear Stearns. Uh, <laughs> I had always been told, you know, you buy low, it comes back. And as we say, if you liked it at 80, you love it at 40, you got to have it at 20. <laughs> and then at zero, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, again, what you're pointing out is a paradigm shift that some of the old rules will not apply. And it's interesting as traders step into top step, uh, are able to experiment with new rules and do it at fairly ro- low risk. And top step might, in fact, look at its rules to say, okay, in this new environment, how can we support traders? Because I know that you mentioned this before we started is how can we be supportive of our traders in this environment? How can we do a better job for them? And so there's lots of opportunities here for us all to examine and re-examine and take a look at the beliefs we have, the rules we have for ourselves, and to say, okay, if I was an alien coming to Earth and I didn't have these rules, what rules would I make? What beliefs would I have? What patterns would I see? And I just love the fact that you guys are uh, being so supportive of your clientele and, and potential new traders as a way of allowing them to play in the markets and to experiment with the, the new paradigm. Right. And I think this is an opportunity for us all to recognize we're all in the same situation. Not really. doesn't matter what your job is. doesn't matter how much you're trading or how little you're trading. The mere fact that we're all in this whole situation together and we're trying to get through it in the same ways. You know, for me, one of my biggest things is my past careers. I've been a floor trader, a Marine, um, and then I come to Top Step and we're in the prop firms and whatnot. I've never had a job that I was working from home full time. And for me, that's one of the biggest hurdles that I'm trying to overcome is this understanding of how to balance. You know, I left the prop firm because I wasn't able to balance. I was working 18 to 19 hours a day. And if the markets were open, we were sitting there managing positions to now working from home and trying to create a work, a life, you know, a work life balance. And that's, you know, been one of my biggest struggles. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that you could step out and look at yourself from a higher point of view and say, okay, there he is. He's creative. He's dynamic. He's got a lot of experiences. And I have confidence that he's going to come up with behaviors and beliefs that are going to serve him well. So if you were to take that, and I invite everybody who's listening to say, okay, if I were really creative, if I were resilient, if I were anti-fragile, what would I do? And just start to imagine it. Because if we say, oh my God, I'm stuck at home. I've always worked hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into a little drama here. Oh, Jesus. I'm stuck at home here. I'm going crazy. I I don't know what I'm going to do. Is this job going to last? What are they going to happen? The economy's changed. Oh, my God. Now, imagine that. And as I said that, I could start to feel my stomach tighten. It's starting to feel real. And now imagine I'm going, hmm, this is fascinating. Let me think of all the difficult things I've come through. 
let me think of my resilient times. Let me think about those times I was really curious about stuff and saw things other people didn't. Now, from this place, what am I going to do? What am I going to believe? And how am I going to behave? For me, if I step into one, I can just feel myself pulling the first one. I'm pulling down. I'm contracting. My stomach's getting tight. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? The next one I'm saying, interesting, fascinating. And from that point, that creativity can really develop. Traders and people in general, I've noticed, are just way too hard on themselves. Oh. And I think that's true oh. in the best of times. I mean, the call... People, are, it's always hardest to sort of, you know, forgive yourself and move on from these things. And obviously, there's a few people out there who just completely lack self-awareness and stuff like that. But generally, I believe you are your own harshest critic. And I think that you really, at a certain point, it's just not productive. And I, I can say personally, I wish that I could do more to let things go and not think about the worst case scenarios and things like that. Because as you mentioned, some of that is not productive. Some of it's some of it's good, but too much of it, and you're really withdrawing in. You're contracting what you could be doing. Well, what you're bringing up is so important that we are our harshest critics. When we trade, we constantly are criticizing ourselves. Everything that doesn't turn out well, we're criticizing ourselves. And this self-criticism originally has a positive intent. And the positive intent is to get us to behave better. But it turns out that that criticism really shuts us down. So at the Mind Muscles Academy, we have something called the golden keys. And the golden keys are first awareness. And one of the things I did early on is every time I had a critical thought, I would put a dollar in a jar. Hmm. You would never guess how much money I put in there in a day. I could retire. <laughs> so first is awareness. And I invite everybody to do this exercise is either you can write it down with a hash mark, put a dollar in a jar or whatever it is. Every time you have a critical thought, do something physical. So that's the awareness. And the next thing is acceptance. I mean, if we criticize ourselves for being self-critical, <laughs> that is a problem. So say, oh, that's fascinating. I'm aware that I'm having a critical thought. And there's a positive intent for that. So then we accept it. And the third step is to say, okay, I'm having critical thoughts. What would I like instead? How would I like my mindset to be instead? I had another critical thought, put a dollar in the jar, make the hash mark. Okay, I had another critical thought. Is that fascinating? So I'm accepting it. I'm aware of it. I'm accepting it. And then I'm saying, okay, what would I prefer instead? And that process then, we become aware of it because we're doing something physical around it, we accept it because it has a positive intent for our lives, and originally it did, even though it no longer serves us. And third, then we can look at what we would prefer instead. So I invite everybody out who, especially those who are self-critical, to do that. Absolutely. I think I've always done things like that with my trading. For me, it was uh, movement of a cable bill. Most people have heard this, um, but the cable bill has always been 
the biggest thorn on my side, the one thing I've hated more than anything in the world. And I keep a cable bill in front of me. It was $211 because I liked having all my channels. And I, I, I've accepted that it's just a, it's something that's always going to be there. And when markets go against me, I, I refer to them as cable bills. Okay. I'm down two cable bills. Am I comfortable with this? I'm up six cable bills. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't want to give back six months of cable bills. And for me, it's, because it's one of the been one of my more difficult things. Instead of being critical, it's making things a little bit more realistic, um, reminding myself they're more than just a number on the screen, and it's the movement of cable bills. Because it's the one thing that drives me nuts every single month, and it keeps me moving. Well, what you're doing is you're, yeah, you're 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 making something really concrete out of it, and so it, how is that for motivation? How does that alter your behaviors? Well, it keeps me, it keeps my losses a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. It helps me recognize my profits mm-hmm. um, and things like that to make each and every day get throughing them. And I can look back and at the end of my month, you know, made X amount of cable bills. That is a motivation for me to continue moving. And then I also recognize when I look back at it, and I, I know if I've had a, you know, not a great month, I can go, all right, I've got a. I've got to cut back on other aspects or I've got to start focusing on what's, what's the reason behind my losses here um, and how do I continue to grow on my cable bills? And as we've said, people are, many traders are irrational about their losses where, for instance, it's uh, much easier to lose, to go from minus $5,000 to minus $10,000 than it is to go from zero to minus 5,000 or to go from we tend to lose track of $5,000 is $5,000. What's that mentality of double down on your losses? That's a really good point, Jack, that what you're saying is that at some point, the emotional needs overcome what is in fact real money. And by focusing that real money on something concrete, like a cable bill, you can actually um, help. I think that could be very helpful. So good point. Is there a sort of overarching philosophy behind mind muscles? Mm-hmm. Um, w- would you like to talk a little bit about sort of what the overall philosophy is that you guys do? Sure. Let me take a breath. <laughs> of course. Uh, and basically, we look at our behaviors with a positive intent. Say they were created at a time when that was the best option that we had. So it's accepting ourselves and accepting our behaviors as we are and then asking, so what would we like now? We understand that there's a lot of habits are neurologically based, that there's a lot of neural connections that keep being triggered. So there's no blame. There's no shame. But how can we create a vision of what we want in the future? And if we can't create the vision, our brains will not take us there because it's too scary. Our survival brain kicks in. It wants to prevent any change at all, even changes for the good. So what we do in terms of my process, uh, uh, we have a, a, a mind metrics application that we measure or that we list all the behaviors that aren't serving us. We list what we would like to do instead. And then we measure that 
mathematically on a daily or weekly basis, depending on the activity level of the trader. We can then see where exactly we are repeating behaviors that no longer serve us. And when we repeat behaviors that don't serve us, there is, in my experience anyway so far, always an underlying positive intent. And if we can look at those behaviors as having a positive intent, even though the outcomes aren't what we want, then we can start to work with that part. In fact, I, with a group I just led this morning on this whole coronavirus thing, I'm doing a free group uh, for uh, my clients that, who are under some stress. And the positive intent was to protect him from being hurt. And, and as a result, he's closed himself off. And I'm making a fist right now for those of you who can't see me and just hunkered down to protect himself. And it turns out that in the, in kindergarten, uh, he was bullied and harassed. And that's the way he protected himself by just being a turtle and closing in. But now that he's, uh, over 40 years old, he's finding in his uh, relationships, in his, uh, investing and all that, he is still repeating that same process. So what we do is we look at the positive intent of all those processes that don't serve us. And then we say, what do we want? And this is what's really surprising is that most of us and most traders I work with are not prepared for success. They're prepared to work on all the bad behaviors like taking profits too soon, letting your losses run, uh, not pulling the trigger and all those issues that they have. But when they get rid of them, Many of them are not ready to step into success because their survival mechanism kicks in and says, we don't know what success is like. It's counterintuitive. Nobody believes me. But as my traders get successful, inevitably they hit a wall because they're not prepared for success. They imagine, you know, fancy cars and big houses or being a philanthropist or all that stuff. And that's easy to imagine. But at the core, they're so used to the struggle. They're so used to struggling and striving and trying and discipline that the life of ease and the life of being in that state is not available to them. Is this something you talk about with people from the beginning? Yes. Yeah, we, we start to create a vision of a successful life. I have a, a guided visualization, for example, it's recorded that steps people into that successful master trader's mindset. And for some people, they can't go there. They're, you know, it's uh, what uh, Miriam Wilson said, it's our light, not our darkness that, uh, that scares us the most. So we have struggled all our lives to protect ourselves, to try to get to where we're going, that just stepping into that success is such a transition that that is where I'm spending a lot of my time with my clients these days is accepting their success and being able to step into that light and that power. There is always this urge to sort of form new problems. I can think of numerous times in my life, similar to what Dan talked about earlier about some amount of time it takes to form a habit. I've heard also whether a good thing or bad thing happens to you there's some time period, say three weeks or whatever, before things go back to sort of a baseline and it's your new normal. 
And I can think of many things in my life that I've accomplished that before that, I would think this is the one thing I need to do and then I'll be set. Then I'll be happy. But then you're kind of in it for a while and you want the next thing. And you see movie stars who have a hundred million dollars who are still doing what looks like a terrible movie for some reason. And you wonder why are they doing this? It's like they have to prove something to themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't just sit in success because it's other things you need to figure out. Like you said, Rich, what does success actually look like for you? And for most people, it's not just monetary. Mm -hmm. Well, Jack, that's just such an important point you're bringing up that we are so used to the struggle that that's where our comfort zone is. We are comfortable in the struggle. And I can see several things in my own life, and we don't have time to go into them, but where I created an environment for myself so that I could experience the struggle that I knew I could survive. In other words, if I look at my own survival patterns, I bring on that challenge so that I can survive it because I don't know how to survive something that is wonderful. Yeah. So, Rich, since we are uh, coming towards the end here, if people want to see more of your stuff or learn more about your program, uh, where should they check you out? MindMusclesForTraders.com. MindMusclesForTraders.com. Or I always uh, I love meeting new people, so rich at mindmuscles.com. Rich, R-I-C-H, at mindmuscles.com. You can send me an email. Uh, we've got just lots of things going on. What I really enjoy is our group work where we, we meet together with traders. Uh, we got a mastermind group going. Uh, we sometimes bring up other groups where people can learn from each other, support each other, and experience breaking through to that uh, new belief system that they're worthy, that they're capable, and that they can enjoy success. Rich, thanks so much again for stopping by the uh, Limit Up podcast. We hope sometime down the road we'll have you back again because uh, I really enjoyed talking about this. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Well, you know, your questions were so insightful, and I just really uh, like that Top Step is really looking at how they can best support their traders and create a a door for them to step into uh, an independent source of income for themselves. So well done, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks again. And we'll be back with you guys after the break. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for making it to the end of the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. We really hope you enjoyed the interview today with Rich Friesen. And thanks so much again to Rich for taking the time and fiddling with the electronic equipment so that we could do this podcast remotely. Dan, how you doing? I'm great. That that was a fun interview. Really enjoyed sitting down with Rich. I think I'm going to be taking a lot away from myself through that interview. And I hope, uh, I really think everyone else will. There's, you know, they say uh, trading is, you know, 10% knowing the markets and 90% psychological and mental. Um, And so, you know, we really got to take to heart some of the stuff he said. So uh, shameless plug in addition here. At Top Step, with all this volatility, we've been funding a lot more traders than before, much to the chagrin of the people who are in charge of onboarding funded traders. I think we had 743 (laughs) new traders get funded last month, 
just the month of March. That was, I think the number came out to 32 traders a day getting funded. So Matt, the uh, guy that plugs the new traders into the system, actually won employee of the month this month, and <laughs> they should just give it to him for the next 11 months. Uh, onboarding 743 people, that's that's something. So, uh, you know, if you're at home and looking for something to do, certainly the volatility is there right now to make a run at it. And if you don't want to do that, that's your prerogative too. Absolutely. The markets are uh, prime for opportunity right now. I want to um, make another little plug for us. We had a great conversation this week um, in Coach's Playbook talking about um, the VIX and the volatility that's out there. And uh, we, we, we discussed this quite heavily about, you know, it's scary times to be trading, but it's also there's so much opportunity out there. If you manage your risk, you take some of the stuff that Rich was talking about, you know, you're going to be set up for, uh, you know, a, good opportunities within these markets. Sure. And there are many ways to trade the market. We always like to say top step is one of them. Not trading at all. That's also one of them. But uh, just keep your eye open because we're seeing a lot of opportunities out there right now. In the meantime, yeah, check out the Coach's Playbook. Uh, check out our blog, Being Remote. That's where most of our content's been going. We're near the finals of our Market Mania tournament, which I had to be very careful not to say another tournament that is legally protected <laughs> by an organization that cares quite strongly about their ownership of certain words. So we'll just call it the uh, last quattro, uh, <laughs> which I believe was uh, the Dow Jones. The, it was the mini Dow, the ES, the NASDAQ, and the ZB. And the ZB is losing right now. So uh, it's going to be an all equities final. So you can see that in the blog too. Otherwise, we'll be back with another episode next week on Thursday. But in the meantime, Dan, it's almost the weekend. It's almost the weekend. We're halfway there. What are you doing? I'm staying at home. Um, I'll be out on the boat. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's no lake for me. I guess I could go out to the Humboldt Park Lagoon, but... <laughs> there is an alligator <laughs> that uh, hangs out there. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening. Hope you come back next week. In the meantime, have a nice weekend, namaste, and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.